you have to think about an A4 piece of paper and I want you to halve that A4 paper. And that's where we've got to get to from our carbon emissions to 2030. So we're halving it. By 2040, I want you to halve that A4 paper again. That's to 2040. By 2050, we have to halve that piece of paper again. Coming up on today's show, we're talking to Will Richardson. He's the MD of Green Element, and there he's given you a very visual cue about the challenge that businesses face in trying to make a positive impact on the environment. This is Tech Talks, the bi-weekly podcast in which we debate the latest challenges facing emerging digital and tech spaces and get expert insight from world-leading figures. Whether you're in the space or just listening for the love of tech, this is the podcast for you. So on today's show, as ever, you've got myself, David Savage, and this week, or this episode rather, I shouldn't say this week, given it's a two-episode uh, a week show, but we've got Joe Rowe. I'm back. Josie Rollins. Back with vengeance. Bid writer of... Bid manager. Bid manager. Calm down. Oh, shit. <laughs> eight by eight. New eight company. Eight. Yeah. New company. Enjoying the job? Yeah, loving it. Yeah, it's good. Um, big challenge, yeah. but getting stuck in. Mm-hmm. Still get to come back for the show, so haven't Absolutely. got rid of that Stand in for Jack. <laughs> stand in better version of Jack. Not so just we've got in. we've got you and Robin now claiming to be better versions of Jack. I mean, he's he's he's, he's got a cold this week. He's not feeling very well. Oh yeah, sounds sounds legit. Yeah, a little cold. He's he's been off quite a bit lately. I think he's kind of susceptible to summer flu. <laughs> anyway. I'm gonna feel really bad if he's actually ill now. <laughs> yeah, I think he is. Poor Jack. Anyway. Uh, how's your week going? Yeah, stressful, considering it's only Tuesday. But, oh, good. You know, trying to stay awake for the podcast, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing for the listeners to know that you're really up for this. <laughs> no, I'm joking. you got Diet Coke. That's probably got... A I mean, lot I know of has, caffeine in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spartamin or something like that, whatever they replace sugar with. Um, all things that are good for the planet. Exactly. Or not. But definitely not. It's in a glass bottle though, not plastic. Yeah, that's true. So that carbon footprint is reduced. Um, (laughs) As the intro suggested, the intro clip suggested, this is all about the environmental impact that companies have. Um, So I'll hand over to Will. He's the MD of Green Energy for the interview. But stay tuned because myself and Joseph will be talking about it. And later on in the show, we'll be sharing a little bit of relevant tech news. So today we're talking to Will. Will, you're the, the managing director of Green Element. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, good. It's always funny when you're being introduced as a managing director. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's not kind of I, I, you know draw back the, the the kind of the curtain on the Wizard of Oz style scenario, right? <laughs> I think I think it doesn't really matter these days. Kind of regardless of the size of your organisation in terms of the number of people you could be working with a heck of a lot of different clients on some pretty big and meaty work that is totally demanding of that title, depending on, on, on what the work is that you're delivering, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I've I always, like when I go to conferences, I always put myself as just an environmental management consultant. But it's more than because... consultancy. I mean, I know you're going in and delivering consultancy work, but it's a whole different stream that you know, a consultant that's going in and providing accountancy services or something like that, people understand. But this, what you're doing with Green Element is politically people are aware of it, but they're not particularly aware of the regulations in a, in a business context, right? No. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. 
it's um i guess it's more just you don't really want to be seen as an md do you you just want to be you want to be um you just want to get on with your job and just try and green up as many organizations as possible in a variety of ways that you can i suppose it's when we talk to uh to startup founders sometimes it it benefits them just to be a founder. Sometimes it benefits them to be a CEO and it completely depends on the audience they're presenting to. Okay. I've never thought about it like that before. Well, the CEO is a role that an investor, you know, you need that kind of face uh, that makes a certain audience comfortable. But I think within your peer group, you're just a founder who's rolling up their sleeves and getting on with building a business. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. We should probably <laughs> tell people what, what, what Green Element do, right? Yep. We have an environmental management consultancy that helps organizations become more environmental. But I think one of the reasons why we ended up chatting was um, we're a B Corp, but also we started a carbon footprinting app that helps you manage, understand and benchmark your environmental footprint against others. And that's called compareyourfootprint.com. And it's a separate company uh, that you can white label partner with or um, just buy into and it's cost effective way to um do all of the above and and it's, it's a way that you don't need to use consultants because in this day and age we really should be just understanding that environmental footprint you need to understand where you are and then you're able to reduce and that's where consultants like green element come in that actually use their skills and expertise to reduce that environmental footprint and what, what do you mean by environmental footprint of an, of an organization beyond the amount of paper that they put through their printers and the electricity that their building uses? Is it the travel that their staff are embarking on? Kind of what, what gets captured? Absolutely anything and everything. So all of what you've just mentioned um, and how you operate your organization. So what is it that you do structurally and to put that into context, if you are an advertising agency and the majority of your work is abroad because you're based in London, you've got a very good reputation and you work around the world and uh, we're in a recession, I'm obviously talking from experience here, um, then you will be picked up and be asked to do quite a lot of work around the world because the pound is weaker. Therefore, how are you going to deliver that work? Are you going to be sending people all the time are you going to be thinking about sending key people and having as many meetings as you possibly can online or video conferencing um, and when you're actually delivering the work having had those meetings with the client because a lot of it is production a lot of it is is what is it that you'll be doing around production how are you going to be delivering um, that commercial or you know, it's it kind of fits with everything. So you anything operational um, would fit with the environment, and it can really be such a wide, broad um, spectrum. And and beyond just being something that, with the political backdrop, people should be thinking of, and it being a good thing to do. There is now regulation coming out from the government around this that if, if you don't comply to certain standards, your organisation is in line for fines, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so back in 2013, they amended the 2006 Companies Act so that any listed company had to report on their carbon emissions. And mm -hmm. shortly after 
that there came out in 2015 a piece of legislation called the Energy Savings Opportunity Scheme for all intents and purposes. It, in, has, it makes companies over a certain size, roughly 250, 35 million turnover, to um, reduce their environmental impacts, of which business travel and energy are the key ones that they're looking at. And now, as of April this year, they've asked any companies of similar size, that 250 FTE, you know, full-time equivalent, or 35 million turnover, um, to report on their carbon emissions every year. So the previous ESOS one was every four years. What has now been put into is you need to report on it. And then you also have um, carbon reduction commitment, which uh, if your company uses over um, certain amount of electricity, you have to report on that. So there is quite a lot of reporting that goes on behind the scenes for very large companies, but that is slowly seeping down into the smaller companies, which is, I think, a really, really nice thing to see. But I guess um, it's all very well doing all this reporting, but I'm really hoping that the government are going to sit up and actually do something with the figures and use the data to um, help them reduce our country's um, environmental footprint. As an environmental consultant, do you find yourself talking to organisations and they may not even know who to turn to within the organisation to to start to pull this information together? I mean, does it fall under the CFO remit? I, I don't really know. I mean, it's not like yes. there's a defined role in an organisation where you go, ah, this is our internal guy who looks after our carbon footprint. Yeah, no. Um, and it's partly one of the reasons why we've always struggled with the marketing is we tend to deal with people who work in facilities. Whether right. it should sit within that remit or not, I'm not sure. I personally think it probably should sit within finance because of it being largely driven by legislation in larger companies. And the fact that you are going to save quite good money and putting down projects to um, capitalize on reducing your environmental impact, in most instances, you can also spend money to reduce more. Yeah, I've always thought of facilities as just being kind of not to, to play down the, the role of facilities is obviously a big job, but keeping everything working in a large building, right? Where if I think of, of, of the business I work in, you've got a couple of hundred people and things just break and facilities, a lot of facilities time just seems to be kind of making sure that maintenance is kept on top of. And the bills are paid for energy yeah. that um, the air conditioning units work. And if you start to look at the building maintenance and um, energy being such a big part of a building, that's partly why we do sit within facilities for the most part. But I mean, sometimes we end up sitting in people department or marketing. And I mean, the marketing one's a funny one because- I, I, I kind of get that. See, I'm not a big fan of being sat in the marketing department because is it more about greenwashing rather than about doing? Yeah, but you know, to, when, when thinking about purpose, and I know that if anyone's a, a very uh, regular listener of the podcast will know that we've spoken before in Lisbon. So, you know, we've, we've had a couple of conversations and, and before this, we were chatting about purpose. Isn't that the whole point about when we talk about Gen Z, they're looking at what an organization does in the wider context of society. And, and this would fall largely under that. And therefore that narrative piece and getting the message across that this is at the heart of what you do, even if you're not necessarily the person who's doing it, I, I could see, marketing kind of 
holding a, a good understanding about an organization's approach and, and, and what they do around this subject. And I wouldn't disagree with you. I think you're absolutely spot on. But I, I don't think we should be working for the marketing department because no, they okay. wouldn't know how the energy works or what operations to reduce or how that fits. They're almost a part of the cog rather than the key part. Is it such a bad thing for organizations to start kind of, oh, Christ, we need, to, we need to make sure that, I know you're interested to use the phrase greenwashing, but if they're client facing and, they're, and, and in a bid, they're beginning to ask, or, or sorry, they see a question on there saying, you know, what, what is your approach to, uh, you know, reducing your carbon footprint? And therefore they have to respond through, through something that's, I suppose it's not being driven from a particularly kind of wonderful kind of utopian vision internally, but if it starts to get the industry to think about it more broadly, is, is that such a bad thing? I suppose there's got to be a commercial element to any of these drivers when it comes to including minority groups and, and gender, uh, gender balance in the workplace. Plenty of people who are very enlightened in that way have said, you know, it's got to be the commercial argument that's going to drive through real change. I've been having this conversation for 15 years and saying, exactly what you've just said. And I think with us having to reach the 1.5 degrees, with us, um, I think quite a powerful statement, and this is gonna be really hard to do on a audio only, but that's partly <laughs> why I want to do it, because you have to think about an A4 piece of paper. And I want you to halve that A4 paper. And that's where we've got to get to from our carbon emissions to 2030. So we're halving it. By 2040, I want you to halve that A4 paper again. That's to 2040. By 2050, we have to halve that piece of paper again. And now I want you to hold up that piece of paper that you've halved three times against another A4 size. And that's where we've got to cut from and to. Mm. And when you visually put that into context you realize how much we've got to do by 2050 i don't think we can carry on thinking that i think we and i i'm now going to sound sound like someone that i didn't like 10 years ago you know um but we really do need to take our finger out and get on with things we can't be just going oh yeah but it's as good it's better than nothing well i think we really do need to do more than better than nothing now how, how do you think companies thinking is being impacted certainly by the white the wider kind of media uh narrative around this right I, th I found it fascinating the other week when emma thompson got slated in the press for giving a speech on environmentalism and then taking a transatlantic flight the next day because i actually thought that's just generating good headlines i mean she's in a role where she works on a global stage how else are you supposed to get from the UK to the States, if you have an engagement in the States, you, you have to fly in. All right, she, she flew business class, but someone would have flown in, in business class. Tomorrow, I'm jumping on a plane to Paris, and then on Friday, I'll be getting a return flight from Paris. Should I have got the Eurostar? But it's a hell of a lot more, and I'm getting flown over by someone external, and, and, and they're sticking me on EasyJet because it's cost-effective. I mean, <laughs> how are we... I'm not a, a, a really frequent flyer, but the, the world is global and we operate in global roles, right? Yeah. How, yeah. How, how are companies supposed to respond? And is it fair to 
to suddenly just sling mud at someone if they've been brave enough to stick their head above the parapet because they're having to, to operate in the modern world. No, it's not fair, and I agree with you. And it's partly why probably part of our success from quite early on was I wasn't asking people to stop flying. I guess to put it into context, the average family in the UK um, use or emit nine tonnes of carbon emissions um, every year. An average coal-powered station emits 18 million tonnes of um, emissions every year. Now, what's the biggest impact that you could do? If you were to fly to New York and back again, your emissions would potentially go up to about 14 tonnes, um, 12 tonnes, 11 tonnes, depending on you know the route that you took. But it's still way less than 18 million. I know that's a coal power station, but actually, why not switch buying your energy to uh, ecotricity or good energy mm-hmm. or um, bulb? Because that will make more of an impact than anything else. And I think we get too caught up in individual actions on a very personal level. And I think that's partly media driven because everyone wants to say that Emma Thompson isn't good because that's quite fun. Let's slate her. But that doesn't help anything and it doesn't help anyone. It, it makes more sense to actually look at the broader picture and try and solve everything but it does come down to that detail but it also it, it's not as cut and dry final point then if, if an organization is listening to this and it might not be the cfo or the facilities person but they're going mm, there's this regulation i'm not entirely sure that uh we comply aside from getting in touch with with you will i mean what what should they think what should they think about what should, should what would they do would they go into work and start asking questions how, how would you go approaching this this problem if you are say an md of, a, of an sme uh looking after one particular or two or, or two or three officers i guess what you could do is start looking at what you're buying you know where you're buying your energy from in the office um what's what your waste is Mm -hmm. and look at how you are you know getting rid of your waste and looking at the waste facilities and what are you recycling and how are you recycling it and start to think about what you're buying in as an organization and where people are going off for lunches and you know try and tailor people's um things switch your renewable energy with rego certificates i mean renew um, regos are renewable energy guarantees of origin and it ensures that the origin of energy supplied to you is renewably sourced Um, you could ensure that you've got energy efficient lighting and incorporates automatic switch offs so that um, you make sure you've got the leds and you've got um, pir sensors so that your lights are off and your your overall lighting is completely off through the night we see so many offices with their lights on through the night Mm. i mean start to try and read off screens more um you can minimize business travel and um one of the funny things that you um i do see is it's the ceos of the um, big corporates that want to travel less and it's the younger um guys at the start of their career that want to travel more because the ceos are going i really don't want to go for a drink with that person in Germany for an hour 
but they have to because that's their job now they they'd rather they've got a family they'd rather hang out with their family mm. and then adversely you've got the um person at the start of their career going i'm quite happy to travel i've got no family i've got you know it's, it's, it's exciting it's, exactly 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 um ensure your building's insulated i mean they're procure su- sustainable um sourced items start to think about what it is that you're buying in uh you know get engaged get get people engaged in the environment and um get working groups together there's so much there is so much stuff that we can do as organizations um to get people more um reducing the environmental impact of your business you know what that 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 is a really good point that i hadn't thought about you know we often when you were talking about the the, the kind of it's easy to look at the individual cases we often do personify that it's oh the the ceo the c-suite they're traveling they're the big execs aren't they you know the fat cats that are bad and actually it is the younger people who are excited to travel and go and see places and do things so a little bit of uh introspection looking in the mirror certainly uh <laughs> um, a point well made but look um thank you for spending some time and coming and talking to us it's obviously hugely topical but also incredibly important more than that it's, it's more than just headlines isn't it so um thanks for coming and spending some time on the podcast and good luck in your conversations with organizations thank you very much for having me cheers dave okay before listening to this be honest you work in bid management not bid bid what did i say before Writing. yeah bid <laughs> management how, how aware were you of esos i am not gonna lie it's nothing that's been on my agenda in terms of that is that in itself kind of worrying? Yes, it was listening to you, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, so you, you put together bids for your organisation. They're a software business to work with other orgs. I'm assuming that you get asked about your carbon footprint when you're, when you're trying to partner up with organisations. Yeah, massively. And especially because we're you know, a, a huge global company and our head office is in America. So massive questions we get asked about is you know, the impact that our global business has on the, well, green, basically. What is our carbon footprint? Yeah. The, according to YouGov, the biggest voting intention now amongst UK adults is environmental issues. And there's this legislation that's come in April this year, basically saying that any organisation over 35 million turnover, which is a lot of organisations are liable to huge fines if they don't comply with this regulation. And I hadn't heard of it. No, I'd never heard of it. But it's so on trend that you kind of would imagine that everyone would have been aware of this. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of like, you know, your ISO standards to do with the environment. I think it's 1401, something like that. That's always a question you get asked, but that's literally as far as it goes. It's just nuts. Um, Another point though, did you try and fold an A4 piece of paper? You know what? <laughs> that analogy, I've even like just... That mental note is just there now forever. I literally love that analogy. I was thinking of bringing an A4 piece down to the recording to like <laughs> physically fold it and fold it. But I just didn't think it would make very good audio. No, make quite a nice little video. Yeah, next should, live should maybe do that at a show. <laughs> be like, right, think about the environmental. Give everyone a piece of A4. But that probably wouldn't be environmentally friendly anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just nuts. Like, I know that the change that we have to make is dramatic but as an organization that is that is a huge amount of savings and and i feel like it's it's currently difficult to see how a company can do that like 
I get that we're being told that that's the message. I don't quite understand what the pathway to doing that effectively is. I mean, I actually, one of the points that was made um, by Will like, kind of hit home for me because our whole product at my new place is um, Unify Comms. So it's the idea that you don't need to go into the office to have a meeting. And I'm probably one of like 50 people in a team of 200 that actually goes into the office. So anyone outside of London doesn't get the training, you'll just do it on video. I get so that. So it's little things like that, which I guess you could see having a big impact. But come on, let's be honest, we're social animals. Yeah. And business, like everything in life, is done best in person, building a relationship. We live in a global village. We have done for the last two, three decades. It stands to reason that when people want to do business in much the same way that they want to build a relationship with someone, they want to do it in person. Yeah. So, when you don't trust someone unless you've met them, do you? Exactly. And that, that won't change. Even if you have met them, you don't necessarily trust them. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I get that e-commuting is a growing term, and I get that that, that is, a, is an option. But I still, I still honestly, even though I've had loads of people on the podcast who talk about, oh yeah, we, we hang out on Zoom together, we have a beer over Zoom together, it's like, it's not the same. No. It's not the same as sitting with, so, with someone, whether or not you're having an alcoholic drink or not, but just sitting with someone and chatting and getting a feel for them in person. Yeah, I think it's shown by the fact the only busy day in my office is a Thursday when everyone can go for a beer after work. <laughs> so I don't think those things will change anytime soon. Again, no, it, 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 it then kind of stands to reason. How are companies, we, I know that we need to do stuff. We like We've seen last week, 40 degree heat nearly in the UK. I was on a train that had broken aircon. It was borderline ridiculous inhumane oh yeah like there was this guy who took a shirt off his his, his oh chinos had gone see-through sweat was rolling off my nose <laughs> and dripping on the floor it was beyond grim like we know that the the, the actions of humanity are having a massive effect and it, it is beholden on businesses to do something but i also feel like there's not a clear pathway of how to do that mm. and i think it has to come from people like it has to you know we have to drive the change it shouldn't just be like a tick boxing exercise for a company to get more business it should be something that individually we're all thinking about yeah um and i thought your point about the emma thompson flight uh how she gave the speech and then got on a flight was really interesting because i see that like i have friends that preach at me about the environment and then jet off to poland for the weekend and then go and visit friends in america and you know things like that but i think like I, I felt I felt that the, the Emma Thompson situation was quite insincere because it's easy to take pot shots at someone, but she, she works in an international job that requires her to travel. Yeah. If she's if she's doing it without any thought, fair enough. But if she has to get from the UK to the US on a tight time scale for something important that's relevant to her work she should be able to fly yeah. like it's great that Greta Thornburg is sailing across the Atlantic to go to the UN <laughs> no it is it's great but that isn't an option always yeah. no of course not like for some people they have to be in one place then in another in a matter of hours and yeah. their job kind of depends on it and to, 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 to have a go at someone for standing up and using their voice is unfortunate because actually we need to support this message and I don't think just because she gets on a plane it, it takes away from the message that she can she can deliver with the with the voice that she's got. Yeah. I think you have to look at who were the people that made those points in the first place because it does seem like 
hating on someone for something very pointless, like you said. Well, like 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 um like Will said, you know, slate her. It's fun, yeah. and I kind of think there is that element of it of like let's let's take a pot shot at the at the celebrity. Let's find some kind of like hypocrisy in yeah. the statement. Yeah. Like I was having a chat with with my mother-in-law, who was like, "Yeah, but you and Haley went to the Maldives. You got on a plane. You're not <laughs> doing good for the environment." It's like, Christ, we've been on like three long haul holidays in a decade. Yeah. Like. I don't jump on and off planes all the time, but there are only certain, like I get four weeks holiday a year. If I want to see the world, I can't sail to the Maldives because by the time I get there, well, it's probably time to come back. So but that's boat trip. be fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, any final thoughts on it? Um, I think it just gave a much like broader perspective of the things you can do to be environmentally friendly like in my head you always think of the same kind of three things and I think Will kind of just broadened that horizon of like well you can do this and you can do that and there was just all these other things that I just hadn't ever thought about so I found it really interesting Gonna take it back into your work? Yeah I'm not sure they'll listen but I'll try <laughs> Hey small battles yeah. incremental change you'll get there in the end It's not in my job title but we'll see <laughs> Will, thanks for being an amazing guest on this week's show. Stick with us after this short break. We're going to be back and we're going to be talking about Facebook, the great hack and the Conservative Party and a bit of tech news. You might have noticed that last week we launched a new brand, The Tuck Shop, a monthly tech news roundup with some experts that we've had on the show. It's on our YouTube channel, but we were very lucky to be partnered by Disruptive Live in bringing that to you. Disruptive Live are the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following regular shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global tech events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, and Dubai, to name a few. So thank you from the Tech Talks team to Disruptive Live for making the Tuck Shop possible. Welcome back to Tech Talks. A quick bit of topical tech news for you. Um, Josie, you haven't seen The Great Hack on Netflix, have you? No, I, I, I would advise me. everybody to watch The Great Hack. Basically, if you're kind of clued into the tech scene, it's not gonna, it's not gonna tell you anything that you don't already know, apart from one or two case studies that are fairly horrific. But it's all about Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, Boat Leave, and Donald Trump. Okay, sounds interesting. Yeah, I'm bought in. It's particularly worth watching because in today's news, um, and this is Tuesday that we're recording. There's an article in The Guardian about the Tories continuing Facebook ad spree despite major bugs that are blocking transparency. Do you think that it's right, given everything that we know, that political parties are still hammering people with Facebook ads when we don't know how they're getting the data to be able to target people effectively? Absolutely not. It's not okay, is it? I mean, we all kind of moan about how they even told us like false things during like the Brexit campaign and things like that. But now the fact they can put that online to target even more people when they haven't even explained where they've got that data from in the first place, like it, it's just ridiculous. Political parties have always broadcast their message through whatever medium is available in the day. That's whether you agree with the political message or not, they've always been used. Um, but it is this fact that Cambridge Analytica used questionnaires to scrape data and you just had to be connected to one person who'd, who's um, filled out a personality profile and they could scrape the data of all of that person's connections. 
So they were able to reach the entire American electorate through actually a very small sample size providing their data. Yeah. And it's that, it's that practice of scraping data that then goes, hang on a minute, where's, where's, where's the fairness here? Where's the awareness of people about how they're being contacted, how they're being profiled? And the way that organizations are finding very, very small percentages of people who sit on the fence that, you know, a 6%, sorry, a 6 swing in opinion that can decide an entire election. Yeah, I just think it, it literally just comes back to like the misuse of data, the fact they don't have people's, you know, the right to use that data in the first place. And if they are going to use it, then they have to explain where it came from. And they can't do that because generally most of the time yeah. it's come from a source that actually isn't legitimate. So... My other chief concern about this is that we watched The Great Hack with my mother-in-law, mentioning her twice today. This is bad. <laughs> She's staying with us at the minute. Uh, and she turned around at the end of it and went, yeah, well, you're facilitating that. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. That's a really dangerous line of thought. Someone watches this. Someone gets clued up about what's going on in the political system and the misuse of data and how data isn't being used transparently. And they immediately turn around and go, data's bad. And people who are on social media and young people are contributing to that problem. They're not sitting there going, data is neither good nor bad it's how people are using them and data can be actually used for a lot of good for preventing illnesses and the organizations like the odi can make sure or can be can help to make sure that data is used fairly they immediately jump to tech is bad and if tech is bad and people are disengaged with the industry i think that just opens up the opportunity for it to be misused more yeah, but also I feel like that's coming from a very specific demographic of Older people. Older and yes. ill-informed. Yes, that, okay, I, I really hope she doesn't your <laughs> But like, I think that a young person watching that or someone that uses social media, I'd hope would be more aware of the fact of how it can be used for good and it can be used for bad. But that's kind of that closed-eye approach of like, well, I don't have Facebook. We didn't have Facebook 50 years ago, so you're contributing and you're the bad thing. Yeah, but I, I, I just think it's that overall narrative as well. It's like, if people think it's bad and disengage with it, they're not going to be looking closely at what organisations are doing and then they're not able to hold them to account. The best way is to get people to go, data could be good, therefore engage with it, therefore we'll get more oversight, more transparency, more fairness to make sure that it works for people in the way that it should. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. Anyway. <laughs> you feel so passionately about this. I I'm do. Like, okay, Dave. <laughs> That's why I wanted this article in there. Right. I'm going to let you get on with your evening. It's raining outside, so we're hiding in, in a noisy bar. I hope yeah. that is not taken away from today's recording for you. But if you are free on August the 22nd, come and join us at Clare Street Tech of London, where we're going to be talking about company culture. There are details in the show notes on your podcast app provider below. Pop nap. Cheers, Jaro. No worries. I'll see you there.